Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson. And I'm Lena Morgan. And it is officially summer. So it is time for a goddamn pool party, is what I say. And there, you can't just have a pool party. You have to have a soundtrack. And so this week, we will be doing Sublime's What I Got versus Sugar Ray's Fly featuring Supercat. Woo, we're going to be in some people's <laughs> soup. That's what happens when you're in a pool. Are you, are you anti-pool? I don't actually, I prefer a beach to a pool, but I think either applies. I think if you're at a pool or at a beach, these are two songs that you certainly could listen to. I, I don't know about that because I think it has to be a specific kind of beach. Uh, you, We went out to what, Jones Beach? Is that what it's called? Jones Some, Beach, sure. Is that what it's called? Yeah, we went to Jones Beach. We yeah, went well, there when it was quiet, though. <laughs> I don't know. That that felt like a very uh, New Englandy beach. And I just don't feel like it fit the vibe of either of these songs. So you feel it's got to be a uh, like a West Coast beach? Yeah, now that I'm on the West Coast, that feels absolutely right to me. These are West Coast SoCal songs, like deep down to their core. Well, you've never been to the Jersey Shore, have you? No, I haven't. I have no idea what it's like. I got to tell you, I don't know what it's like anymore either, because I haven't been there in a really long time. The last time I went was for my friend's 40th birthday party. It was very important, obviously, but um, the, the, the boardwalk is gone. It's like replaced with this, I don't know what, fiber class, whatever it is. It's terrible. When I, when I was a child, you'll see, <laughs> it, was the, it was actually made of wood and like just wrecked ass wood. Like you'd step on it and just like, you just have boardwalk in your feet for a while afterwards. And that's how we liked it. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, you picked these songs. Yes, I did. Other than the fact that it's now we're balls deep in the heat of summer. Mm -hmm. Why else did you pick these two songs? Because I love these two songs. You love both these songs. Yes. That was the I reason. I mean, why? But why? Why against each other? Why these two songs in a, in a matchup? Can you play any of these on guitar or one of them? Uh, I mean, so like just basically the chords like they're pretty big. I mean, the thing about them is that they're both two chord songs for the most part. <laughs> I'll just play one of them. Um. Early in the morning, rising to the street. No, you got to stop now. Why? I don't know. And then the other ones. All around the world, statues crumble for me. Who knows how long I've loved you. In my sin. No, oh, keep playing those two. Keep playing those two chords. Loving is what I got. Said, remember that. So it actually, it actually doesn't perfectly skin, but you're you're basically right. Wait, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep playing those two Fine. chords. So un perdedor. I'm a loser, baby. So why don't you kill me? I don't mind the sun sometimes, but as it shows, I've seen better days since front of many plays. I've seen better days. And the bottom drops out. There, I, I think there are like five more of those I could come up with. But you picked these two. Yes. Well, I think they're like the perfect two chord songs. And they both came out like right at the same time. That is what, what I consider like a very 90s chord progression, a 90s frat boy, frosted tips kind of thing that anyone can play. 
Your tips are frosted. Actually, that's not. Have your tips ever been frosted? Be honest. Have you ever frosted a tip in your life? I don't own a comb, Lena. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think? I'm, I'm going to like spending an hour every day gelling up my frosted tips. You know me. You've met me. Who the fuck do you think you're talking to? It's possible that there was a time before you entered the shadows for the rest of your life, like pre-shadows days, maybe you were frosting a tip. I don't know. No, they, before before the shadows, I, I did even less, put even less effort in my look. That's sad. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm worried about you. <laughs> No, you'll Although be I, fine. I, you'll be fine. It'll just be alone forever. That's no big deal. Anyway, right. uh, so <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, so life is too short. Here we right. are. We're going to talk about these two songs. Mm-hmm. Um, do you uh, did you have like a knee jerk response to which one you prefer? Like when when this came up to your mind, which one well, you said this is the one? Well, knee jerk, I would say that loving is what I got for what I got. That was like my knee jerk. Cause I mean, let's be uh, entirely clear. Sublime was like a real band that people cared about. And Sugar Ray was not Sugar yes. Ray. Sugar Ray was like the exact kind of like, you get to stick around as long as we like the music you're putting out. But like you can put up singles fine. We'll listen to them every beach party, but then we will get bored of you. And then we will never think about you again. Am I until, wrong? Until one of you is on extra, extra. <laughs> he seemed like a star, like a genuine rock star kind of guy. Marky Mark McGrath? Uh, yeah. 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 And in a way he, he was. He had the look. He was like perfectly ready for camera. And he then. He was. We, so we, we talked about this and I kind of want to get into it a little bit later, but I feel like you found the perfect starting place for this episode. What is that? Sublime was a band that people cared about. <laughs> I feel like, because that's right, I think the thing, my treaties on this, and the reason why I also sort of default to Sublime over Sugar Ray in this matchup is because what I remember from that time is that regardless of what genre of music you liked, when Sublime came on the radio, everybody liked them. Not literally everybody, because someone's going to come and be like, well, actually, I hated them at the Mm. time. And by somebody, I mean my spouse who told me this <laughs> specifically when I said everybody likes Sublime. Raven was like, I don't, bitch, I hate him. But uh, but I think that Raven was a real outlier because definitely what I distinctly remember was it didn't matter. And, and, and remember, in the 90s, everyone had a genre that you picked your genre and that was you, you had to stay in your lane. If you were a metal person, you liked metal music. If you liked punk and ska, that's what you liked. If you if you liked I don't know what else is there, dubstep didn't exist. If you liked fish, if you liked jam bands, that was your thing. But that you know you weren't really supposed to go outside of the realm of whatever it was that was your main genre, unless it was Sublime, and everybody liked Sublime. That's because Sublime was um kind of genreless. I mean, not really, but like they were all over the place. Like they were like a combination of uh, genres that didn't really exist except for them. They were ska, they were punk, they were hip hop, they were reggae. They uh, they were many things. Yes, like so when they would play live, they'd play all over the place. You know, they'd play at dance halls where like the two tone stuff used to get played, and they'd play mm-hmm. in, like places where metal shows would play, 
And I think that as a result, I think because they were, let's say, reasonably proficient, they could play good fast, which is really, you know, all you've got to do. If there's one thing that this made me think of, um, were you ever in a band when you were a kid? I feel like we've had this conversation before, but were you, Uh, did you ever try to be in a band? No, I mean, like, I'd be in some college friends would jam sometimes, but not really, like, anything kind of serious. I remember being a kid in high school and trying to be in a band, and the thing that I wish I could go back and say to kid me when I was wrangling people that would get nervous, like, the very first band I was in, we were supposed to do, like, a big battle of the bands, and the guy who was going to sing dropped out at the last second. And it was just me and the drummer, and I called my buddy who could play the sax and a couple other instruments, and I said, just come out, and we'll wing it. And we went up and we just played, and everyone was not impressed, but surprised that we bothered. And I wish that I'd kept that energy with me, because what I realized looking back about being a a band in high school, or a band really in that time period in general, is that you don't have to be good, you just have to be fun. Well, I think Sugar Ray was a very fun band. I mean, I don't I don't want to say they're unfun, but they're not fun in the way that Sublime is fun. I don't know. Like, I feel like Sugar Ray was only fun and Sublime had different modes. I mean, look, here's the thing I know about Sublime for a fact. When they got reasonably big, like right at the very start of them actually getting some attention, like when K-Rock started playing them, they had a show that they went to. And the story was that they'd gotten, they'd been given like something like five or 10 backstage passes. And one of the dinks for the band decided, you know what we're going to do? We know somebody with a printer and a laminator. (laughs) So they went and made like a hundred fake ones and gave them out to all their Long Beach friends. And that all of a sudden there were like a billion people behind the scenes that weren't supposed to be there getting drunk and rowdy, coming out on the stage, beating the hell out of each other, having a good time, being sweaty and bloody, and probably pissing themselves. And it was great. It was terrible for K-Rock, who was hosting the event. But that's sublime, right? That's that's sort of their vibe. Like I'm not denying that there's not something to the, the lyrics of their songs, but like as a live band, as a band that you go and see, that's the vibe. I, I think it could be argued that um, Sugar Ray were like the kind of like the sellout continuation of Sublime. Cause so, you know, Bradley Noel, the lead singer songwriter died right before that album came out. Yes. And, uh, the, the album that had to be retitled as a self-titled album because it was originally called killing it. Oh no, I did not know that. If there's a God, that God has a very, very sick sense of humor, Ugh, but that's uh, awful. yeah. So, yes, well, everything I say is awful in some form, Uh, but here we, thank you. Yeah, I think that what's interesting about Sugar Ray is that the perception is that they're sellouts, and I think that that comes from the fact that the album, so they had released one album previous to the album that Fly is on, and then they released the album that Fly is on, which is called Floored, Mm -hmm. and if you listen to the rest of Floored, it does not sound like fly it does not sound like music that's not I, fair i it, it, it's 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 a really shitty metal album it's, it's a really very, shitty skate punk metal album their music's kind of muddy sounding right like that's yeah. other than fly which has a very distinct tone and direction everything else is this kind of aimless like yeah. 
And, you know, I'm not against that kind of music as a rule, but, like, it's got to have something, right? Mm-hmm. There's got to be something that kind of creeps through the noise that makes you go, aha. And Sugar Ray didn't really have that when they were doing that sort of sound. But Fly, which I feel like if you don't know anything except the fact that Mark McGrath was the lead singer and then was the host on Extra, you'd think that that was all his idea and that he was the sellout. Not so. It was the drummer that came with that. And he was, Marvin Grath was like really against Fly. Mm-hmm. Like he hated that song. Hated it. Well, from what I, what you described it, it was not really there yet. But like it, it's a much mellower song than anything else they'd had put out. You know, it's funny because I think Mark McGrath is a giant sellout. He was just much better at being a sellout because like once he realized this was like the way of the future for him and his band, the way forward, like he put in, he jumped in with both feet. So well, I was, sure. I, I mean, well, I think they all did to a degree because um, the, the album they followed up with was called 1459. So called because of the concept of the 15 minutes of fame and that they were not quite there yet. They had not quite hit 15 minutes, but they were just about there. <laughs> that was kind of a joke, and it was wrong. They had a few they had years quite left. A few, quite a few. They made it I, into the 2000s, technically. Can I tell you, that's uh, one of the first albums I ever bought. 1459? By Sugar Ray, yep. I like the the other one. Every morning in the morning, breaking, dick and licking, breaking, crack. Sugar Ray say, oh. oh. I loved but, that song when it came out. It's very infectious. I realized that that like so's COVID. So, you know, (laughs) 1459 is a really messy album. It's like, well, we're you can hear them moving in a direction, right? Like after after um, floored, you can you can feel the the shift towards more fly like material. I've heard some critics try and convince me that Martin Grath is like this pop genius. And they had a good a good run of singles. I, they never released a song I didn't like, at least mm-hmm. while I was paying attention, at least versus yeah. like, say, Smash Mouth, who like had three singles in them. And then I was sick of them. I think that when the bottom fell out on Sugar Ray, it was really it was really something. <laughs> they put out an album like in like 2019 or something called Little Yachty. That's what? weird. Yeah. Well, hold on. I am looking this up right now. Sugar Ray. Lisa, why? I don't know. Little That's Yachty. Little Yachty. Little, little Yachty. I, I'd heard that they were like on really bad terms with each other and that they were never going to make an album again. That was, I also heard oh, that. that, that, the last that was, one? was like 2015. It was like that where there was some talk of getting back together and then no, it was never going to happen. And then something happened. I don't know who's actually <laughs> in, in the band during the, the little Yachty phase. But, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, like, I think it all kind of falls apart. I mean, they put out an album in 2009 called Music for Cougars. And I'm going to tell you right here, right now, you got to know when you've got an album that you're like, let's call it Music for Cougars, that it's all over. <laughs> you got to know. <laughs> I don't Sorry, know. They Mark, got... Mark McGrath at all. But you had to know, didn't you? It seemed like they aged very quickly. Like within like two years of him being on Extra, he was like plastic surgery all over the place. He was like full Hollywood. Which is like at the when he started out, I was like to me, like the little teenager, I was like, this guy's a cool guy. He's got his tattoos and his cool, awesome hair. I thought mm-hmm. that's what I thought a cool person was. Him and Will well, Smith. 
you're, you're really learning some lessons in life, you know? I listen to nothing but country music because that's all my parents would let me listen to until I was like 14. I, I went with what I got, but Fly is a song I will always have affection for because it was like one of the first pop songs I knew. Like in 1997, it was like one of the first songs I remember knowing that was like a pop song. That and As Long As You Love Me by the Backstreet Boys, but I was not as fond of that, of that one. I just I think what's kind of interesting, I wish I had I'd written down the full list, but Sugar Ray had a tendency to cover really poppy pop songs. Yeah, they have a really 90s ironic cover of Steve Miller's Abracadabra on that album. To me, it's not even that. It feels pretty straight for a 90s mm-hmm. irony cut. You know what I mean? Right. And they did it like time after time. There's a couple other ones on there. Um can I tell you my favorite uh my favorite Sugar Ray song right now at this moment is something they put on the Scream 2 soundtrack called Rivers. Like you Rivers. should you should look it up because it is just straight up a Weezer parody. Oof. <laughs> it sounds exactly like Weezer. That's why it's called Rivers. They really were a movie band too, because like they were in Scooby Doo. That's right. And they I think there's in, they're in some other stuff too. I think there's there's other places where either their songs. Oh, you know what? I think that the um the version of Fly that does not have a special guest on it is in um Coyote Ugly. I think it needs that guy, Supercat. I agree. Ben yet. I don't know what was that a little too black for Coyote Ugly? A very very white white girl movie. I you know I bought a copy of Coyote Ugly recently and I've been meaning to watch it. Maybe now's the time. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll cover it. I'll cover it for the podcast if somebody votes for us <laughs> to talk about Coyote Ugly. All right. Well, before we get off track, what was your pick? Oh, it was also Sublime. I said that. Did I, you? I mean, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no question in my mind. And it was for the same reason. That's kind of why I wanted to focus on this idea of Sublime as a band versus Sugar Ray as a group that put out some singles. That's, well, that's to me, that's the big difference, right? Cause Sugar Ray is more long lived and sort of, I think well, part uh, of its success is because of, if Bradley Noel was alive, they would have outlasted Sugar Ray. I no doubt in my mind. No doubt is a good choice of words. <laughs> kind of an interesting thing about Sublime and why I sort of knew them as well as I did is because I was a big Gwen Stefani fan. Mm hmm. And Gwen they, Stefani and Brad Knoll were like biffles, real tight. Yeah, I, I found that out from their behind the music that they put put on VH1 all the time. And like Gwen Stefani, who had much better things to do with her time, was up there I, being interviewed for VH1 for her late friend, Bradley Knoll. Yeah, I w- what was really wild to me was in my research, I discovered that um, somebody came out on, you know, you know, NBC's The Voice. We've brought this this show up before. Yes. And how, and how Gwen Stefani is on that show and now as a result is married to uh, the, the, the tall drink of country water that is. Blake Shelton, yes. Yes. So um, there is, a, I think it was in like 2019, maybe, maybe even later, um, where some guy came out and played santeria like that was his song his pick Mm -hmm. and like they really just closed in on her boy (laughs) and i'll tell you if it weren't for all the fillers on his on her face you definitely would have seen an emotion oh that's mean you know what no you could see that's that's a shitty thing to say i'm sorry gwen stefani i know you're a longtime listener of the show um no she definitely it was it was weird because you could watch her have have an emotion and try and be cool about it 
but yeah, she and Brad Knoll were very close. Um, I don't know if they ever actually hooked up. I don't think the timeline fits. I know I've heard people talk about that as a thing, but I think they were just buds. And so she appeared on a track for them on Robin the Hood called Seeing Red. And then he came out and did a track for them off of this completely independent record they did that they completely self-funded called the Beacon Street Collection called Total Hate. Oh, that's it is so weird to think of Gwen Stefani's uh, genuine alt rock indie rock taste. She was I mean, that's what's it's so wild to see her on The Voice and watch that clip and then go back and remember what she was like when she had when she had time to go out for a K-Rock show and do that Seeing Red song with Brad just as like a one-off, like, here I am, I guess I'll pop on stage real quick, why not? You know, like, what a different time, holy shit. Because they blew up after that, like, once you hit um, Tragic Kingdom days, it's like a whole other planet. But I think this is, you raised sort of an interesting question when you said what what might have been, because this is like the big debate, I feel like, if there's a debate that's being had, you know, I see people say like, oh, it's time to acknowledge that Sublime was problematic and always will be. A word I have grown to hate so much. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. that, that man is dead, does it matter? Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sure it matters to somebody, but I, I don't mean, care. I mean, I mean, I mean, I will say like, I used to really love Date Rape. Date Rape. I used to really love Date Rape, the song by the Sublime. Song. Good, good. Do not clip that out of context, you assholes. And these days I can't really listen to that one anymore. That one is, you know, aged badly, problematic and quotes and all that stuff. But like, it's not one of my favorites anymore. But I used to, I used to be really surprised how much I liked Sublime because Sublime reminded me of people that I didn't like. Like, it felt like the people I didn't like would really like Sublime. Like You're probably fragile. right about that. The thing is that, that Brad was, you know, kind of an obnoxious guy. Was he? You know? Well, yeah, he was, he was drunk and high all the time. Right. Running around, boundless energy, with a dog that would just bark all the time. Yeah, yeah. man. I mean, like, you, I, I would think that, like, it's a, it's a real love or hate. I don't think there's any middle ground on Brad Knowles. Either you were a real close personal pal of his, or you probably hated his guts. I don't, I don't, I don't see how there's anybody out there that goes, I could take or leave him. I don't think that was an option. <laughs> he had a Dalmatian. And Dalmatians are asshole dogs. They sure are. <laughs> um, if there's one thing I know. Get down with Louis dogs, the only way to stay sane. That's correct. Anyway, um, yeah. yeah, so I think this is sort of like the big question. When If, you, if you've never seen the, uh, the VH1 behind the music on Sublime, one of the big um, statements of the piece is that had Brad Knoll never died, Sublime would have been way bigger and even though he did die as young as he did and right before they really blew up outside of just California, that people would eventually look back on him as being in the same realm as a Jim Morrison or a Kurt Cobain. This is a, this was the big claim at the time was that someday people would look back and be like, he was as important as much of a musical genius as those guys. Now, Jim Morrison, I'll grant you, because Jim Morrison sucks. Incorrect. But Kurt, but Kurt Cobain. I feel like Sublime's star has dimmed quite a bit since 97. I agree. I mean, they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or anything, and they, they have been eligible for quite a bit. Like, And, you know, 
I feel like they, they their influence has not been quite acknowledged because I think they were like really one of the first uh, hip hop influenced kind of bands like that. Like they weren't rappers, but they were like listening to rap. Sure. And I mean, can, like hip, can, hip hop can, was a big part of the scene. And they were influenced by it as much as they were influenced by two-tone and reggae and ska and punk and everything else that was going on. Yeah, and considering how like how incredibly white rock was at the time, there was a lot of Stone Temple Pilots and like Blues Traveler and stuff like that. Uh, and, and nowadays we have like all these folk singers listen to nothing but hip hop, your Ed Sheerans and stuff like that. Like yeah, they were was- like the first two. Like Sublime was like the first band to write like a rapper without even remotely resembling hip hop. Yeah, I think that's kind of what it is that looking back, I actually appreciate mm-hmm. is that, I, you know, I think I saw somebody try to be like, oh, Brad Knoll, the original appropriator of black culture. And I was like, the original, who are you yeah, talking yeah. to? <laughs> it's like, what planet are you living on? That's yeah, I'm pretty sure that's still Elvis, but um, I'm sure it's probably a million before that. But the point is that he did actually craft something that was very distinctly him. Like I didn't find myself going like, man, he's really trying to rap like he is a part of black culture. I never got that vibe off of him at all. He seemed like he was doing a little spoken word based on what was happening in his little stretch of the world and things that he cared about. Like his dog, and his mom going back to the rock. Life is too short. I didn't get that that was a too short reference till much, much later in life because I did not listen to a lot of Bay Area hip hop. But unless MC Hammer counts. MC Hammer so he, never counts. He is a, a thug from the Bay Area. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, I think that he if you want to argue that he was an original. Sure. I guess I just don't look at modern music and see his fingerprints on much of it. Do you? I feel like I do. I really do feel like I do. There's these, you know, this kind of broy hip hop, uh, broy hip hop type folk singers. They're, I feel like they're pretty common. Give me, give me an example. Like, um, well, this is just like 10 years after him. I remember Jake Johnson and then like Jason Mraz. Like I felt like their fingerprints were all over it. That I'm talking. I'm, I'm talking about now. It, like I'm trying to say, like what music it, is like now? Because right would, now we're 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 having a. It's 2022 as we record, and I would say recently, very recently, there's been a big rock resurgence. Mm-hmm. And what I'm asking you is, do you feel like you're hearing any sublime DNA in that? Well, you know, I I heard Lana Del Rey's sublime cover all over. Uh, California when I moved here. That is true. She did do that. I don't know. It, it's hard for me to say because the second I came out to California, like you, you talk about K-Rock, K-Rock is infamous for playing nothing but the Chili Peppers and Sublime. And the second I got here, I was like, wow, it is absolutely true. They are still all up in Sublime. Like that is their big victory over the culture. That so is you, their flag you, so your, your, mind's, your mind has been perhaps a bit warped. Yeah. You know, I've been to Long Beach and I've been to Orange County. I think the impression is that the Orange County is like the fancier, ritzier version of like scuzzy Long Beach and Sugar Ray is, which would support my theory that Sugar Ray is the sellout sublime. Well, I mean, even they have a shared producer. um, Yeah, I can't believe uh, 
I just thought they sounded similar. It, it doesn't surprise me at all that they have the same producer. Yeah, for some stuff. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I could, I guess, I think is, I think my big point of view on the whole thing is that Sugar Ray might not have taken the turn that they did towards success in the specific genre of music they started playing predominantly, if not for Sublime. That feels probably correct. I didn't know till I started doing research. I had, I was certain that Fly had hit first. And you wrong. You wrong. I, I thought what I got was like 98 or something like that. And it's like two years earlier. And so well, the, like the thing about what I got and, and songs off of that self-titled sublime album is that they really sat for a while. God. Yes. Like, you, you know, would by, think they by were, what you're saying, they they're still out there. Yeah. Like I remember like in like 2000, 2001, they were still getting played. Like they were, they were new songs. That's sort of the potency, right? I think that this was the other question when I was trying to ask myself which song I preferred was how much am I still being influenced by the fact that Brad is dead? Because Brad's death did have a really big impact, I think. Now, if the songs weren't good, then it wouldn't have happened that way. But the fact that the songs were good and that he was, you know, taken too soon because of a heroin overdose... It's a narrative and right. humanity loves a narrative. And so I think that that narrative is perhaps the most classic of them all when it comes to rock music to the point that what another thing that I thought was kind of interesting is that in the wake of his death, do you know that no doubt went out and did a cautionary tale tour? No, I did not. Yep. They did a cautionary tale tour about what had happened uh, they were basically trying to, which is weird to me, but as far as I could understand, I mean, this is a bit of a game of telephone because it's so, so fucking long ago, but they were kind of trying to remind people that just because you want to listen to rock music or be in a rock band, you don't need to fucking get hooked on smack. <laughs> That's not actually a required part because that was Brad's whole thing is that he, there were so many people doing heroin around him and he had kind of avoided it for a while because you know, he didn't want to touch it because he was scared of it, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, he wanted to be as create creative as everybody else, and he heard that heroin was like a like a thing that would open his mind. Which I, in the modern day, I don't think you really hear that anymore. I think anybody else, I think that 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 narrative blissfully has gone away. But at the time, I guess he just got convinced that that was the case, and so you know, as happens, heroin. Uh, once you take it, you're kind of addicted. So yeah. he he took it. And that was the end of that story. But yeah, the perception was there. The idea that like being on heroin was was the thing to do if you were in a rock band. Yeah, I mean, it's a better story. It's a better story. It's a tragic story about like this great artist who was taken too soon versus Sugar Ray, where they sold out. They one of them started hosting talk shows, showing up at like Trump events. Yeah, Mark McGrath has got that real like. Peter Venkman and Ghostbusters too. <laughs> yeah, that that kind of oily, yeah, smarmy kind of like like if Mark McGrath had hosted World of the Psychic, I would you know if you'd said that that was a real show and that he was the actual host, I would believe you. Yeah, like it's it's hard to make a case for them, but I remember them be, when I was a kid. It seemed like they were the most important band in the world because they were the ones who were making like the big hits that of the kind that I actually like because I didn't like the new metal and I didn't like the the boy bands 
what I liked was like this like happy in between bright and shiny pop rock. And I kind of wonder if they like they were the soundtrack for me of that like entire four year period where I started getting into music. They were friends with Mick G. They They sure were. Mick G and Sugar Ray like kind of brought each other up. And this entire vibe was like super influential on like how I saw the world for the next three years. That's so funny. Yeah, because they never occupied that type of space for me. (laughs) Like they were a band. They were totally unimportant, but occasionally they'd put out a song that I liked the end. But they never really like I wasn't I don't think I ever bought a Sugar Ray album. I can't I I I mean, and I bought a lot of a lot of questionable stuff. But I mean, the Mick G era, like you can call that a Mick G era because that Sugar Ray were like the first band to bring that kind of vibe and style. And it was like that bright, shiny, oversaturated color to everything. And that's what I remember of the late 90s from 97 onward. Like nowadays, people will credit all the you know, Spice Girls and then the TRL came out. And that's where where it all came from. But like the Mick G era was was good for that, too. And God damn it, Fly is a really good song. It's not my favorite song ever, but like, it's good. Like, and Supercat, like I had never heard of Dancehall before in my life, before I heard that song. I mean, I hadn't heard of fucking anything. I feel like that song's a little more influential than it, it gets credit for. I'm not sure I'm inclined to agree with that. <laughs> okay, I made my I'm case. Not, I, you know, I guess, no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it's definitely wrong. I think it's just that, again, having grown up in the state of New Jersey, take a drink. Um, <laughs> I just, like, we had, like, dance halls where, like, reggae and ska and punk all kind of commingled. And <laughs> so that kind of stuff was really out there for me. You know, like, I was, it, I was, it was readily available to me. And by the time I was probably, like, 15, so, like, 95, I would say I started to become aware of that stuff. And it was certainly around prior to that. So I don't, I guess I don't know, like in the, when the world culture, <laughs> but, I, but I feel like it was there, you know, I feel like the eighties had music like this too. Like I, it just doesn't feel like Sugar Ray invented it. Certainly, I guess in the, the main, main, main mainstream, cause they are certainly a mainstream band. Mm-hmm. Perhaps it was an extra injection into the arm of the collective consciousness. I mean, I just just don't think of the greatest, not the greatest imagery when we're talking about sublime. Well, I was talking about sugar Ray. So, okay. Okay. But it's perfectly, uh, perfectly fine then. Yes. Don't think about it too much. The point (laughs) is it's a, it was a mixed metaphor anyway, but no, I just don't, I don't think much of it. Like it's not that it's bad. I just influential is not really ever a, a, a thought I would have had about them. I mean, that's a great riff though. I love that. Spread your love and fly. Spread your love and fly. Oh me, oh my, spread your love and fly. You know, you know, I've never actually heard like uh, a frat boy with an acoustic guitar sing these songs. I feel like I should have. I I definitely heard Wonderwall quite quite a few times. All right, like Sugar Ray has been, I feel like, forgotten. Um, so like, yes, I think at this point it's over. But right, Sublime, I think, is always going to have a little bit of, little juice. Yeah, I think so. Sugar Ray, uh, they got lapped by Smash Mouth. They did. Look, I think, uh, it, it's funny, what I got is good, but I think that Santeria is just an all-timer. 
And uh, and I think Doing Time also really like, especially since it got covered. But I, a lot of these songs get covered a lot. You brought up you brought up Blues Traveler. They covered what I got, I think. Oh, that sounds like it'd be terrible. It's not to my tastes, <laughs> Todd. No, um, but they don't. They don't. They don't have that funk. They do not have that funky grossness in between their toes that makes their rock and roll music go such a way. But. Yeah. All right. Listen. Let's. I feel like we've talked pretty good historically. You want to. Uh, you want to dig into the questions. Let's do it. All right. So we do these questions to sort of uh, take everything that we've talked about so far, put them in a little package, so we can really be sure about our answer. Question number one: One of these songs is going to go away, not just today, but forever, for all time, backwards and forwards. It is as though it had never existed. The other one. The other one's going to stay for the culture, Todd. Which song has to stay? Uh, I mean, it's it's got to be what I got. There's uh, there's no way. You said Santeria is the the one for you. For me, it's what I got. It's an all timer. Uh, I, I, like I think the nineties that don't make sense without it. I I provisionally agree. I think my opinion on it is that it's too feel good to go. I just think that it made people feel better, and you can't get rid of something like that. How many songs <laughs> can you think of from that era that just like? Made everybody feel good, except for my spouse, apparently. <laughs> uh, Sublime has more haters than you realize, I think. Well, certainly we'll talk about them in, in the comments, but I think yeah. some of those folks might be pretty young. I could be wrong. People, mm-hmm. people feel free to correct me, but I think some of those folks maybe were not of age at the like, time that, that all this stuff was, was going on. Yeah, I don't even know if the kids even know of Sugar Ray at all. Like, they know Smash Mouth, certainly, and they know... I think they even like are fonder of like steal my sunshine and you get what you give, but not, not sugar Ray. They have, uh, they have dropped. Like if you weren't there, you wouldn't know. You should, you should do a tad in the shadows episode of some kind about them. You'd have to create a new subheading, but they did disappear off the face of the earth. I could find out what happened there. You could do that. You could pick whatever is the album that caused them to drop off. And I believe I could even answer which one it is. I think it's in the pursuit of leisure. That was the one. Like it still has some music on there. If it, and it's certainly if it's not that, it's got to be the aforementioned music for Cougars. <laughs> for what it's worth, I, I did uh, like the singles off their uh, third or fourth album, whatever it is. Uh, they're self-titled. And they self-titled it because that was their play for cred. Like, we're, okay, we were a fuck-around, like, silly group, but now we're, like, a real band. And it was going to do for them what the self-titled Blink-182 album did for Blink-182. And uh, I guess it just didn't. That's the the time when they were, like, we are an actual band now. And they were. And they were. Well, they had, I mean, they had When It's Over off of that, which is a legit single. Yeah, that was a hit. And the the second song, Answer the Phone, I think is their best song. But that was the last time I remember hearing anything of them. Yeah, I think if you wanted to make a a train record out of In the Pursuit of Leisure, you could maybe get away. Anyway, that's a whole other story. Okay, so I agree with you. I agree with you. I think that Sublime has got to stay. Question number two, you could be a fly on the wiggity wall. You could see Soup to Nuts creation, the entire thing, including a music video, if you like, for one and only one of these two songs. Todd... Just historically speaking, seeing how the sausage gets made, which is the one that you want to get into the guts of? Well, that is an iconic video for Sugar Ray's Fly. 
I can still see it in my head very well. And uh, I mean, Sublime only had like a a posthumous video, which doesn't count. I, I guess I would kind of like to see the process of Sugar Ray realizing that they are an entirely different band than the band they thought they were. That would be uh, in- interesting to me. I would, you know, I think the, with the proviso that I could be a teenager, then I would pick Sublime. Just because the idea of like going back in time, being, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, going to a show of theirs, you know, fucking like tie them one off, getting drunk and high as humanly possible, getting in the mosh pit, having a good time, meeting Brad after the show, hearing him like work on this song for the first time. That sounds like it would be great. I think, you know, my theory is that had Brad Knowles never died, I think he probably would have grown up into a real asshole. (laughs) Like McGrath. I think maybe worse. Because he just seems like such, he seemed like such a contrarian Mm -hmm. that I could really see him going down all kinds of terrible internet rabbit holes. I'm just glad that Brad Knowles didn't have Twitter. (laughs) That I think is for the best. But I, um, I think at the time it would have been really fun to hang out with those guys. I think I would like if I could party with them for a night. If that if that's included in question number two, that's what I'd go for. That's funny because like we know like I speaking of like who's an asshole. Someone in the Twitter comments posted a video of uh, Mark McGrath just absolutely losing his shit on some teenager because he got called sugar gay. Well, that's a shitty thing to say. That's it me. is. That's homophobic. And so, I don't, you know I what? Don't, he is right to be annoyed. I'm I sure that he's, that's not the reason that he was. <laughs> but if it was, he'd be really right. Okay. All right. I, I, like, I, I just don't want to see, like, what I got is one of my favorite songs, but, like, it's so simple. Like, it doesn't feel like there'd be uh, much uh, to be gained by seeing him work it out. I hear, I hear what you're saying. Would I get to play with Dog? I'd like to do that. We'll see. There you go. To me, it's the whole package because, yeah, he's playing he's playing the song, figuring it out. Lou Dog's there. Fuck. Who knows? Maybe Gwen Stefani's back there. You could see what she was like when she was a kiddo. Yeah. Like back when she like had like those like sort of like 1940s hair rolls mixed with all like the very like ska era stuff like that'd be cool. I don't know. I just to me, the idea of question number two qualifying is getting to hang with the band would be pretty rad. That's one of those situations where it's about, it's about getting to party. <laughs> if that makes sense. I would party with, uh, with sublime. That does seem like fun. Yeah. Especially around the pool. Yeah. Right. See, so question number three, Megan, the stallion, she's going to get this. She's going to do some hot girl shit. She's getting ready to do it. She's got a mixtape. She's listening to, to prepare, make sure that she is ready for the hottest night of hot girl shit for life, one of these two songs is going to be on there. Todd, which one of these songs for all time is hot girl shit? I feel like what I got is a little too mellow. It's not like a really going out time. That's like a hanging in time. But like fly, like all around the world, statues crumble for me. That is some hot girl shit. I I could absolutely hear Megan saying that. I think you're right. Shit. <laughs> You didn't see that coming, did you? All right. We'll give it a sugar <laughs> ray. I can't deny that. Like, I could see Megan the Stallion, of all people, I could see her doing that thing. You know how white guys sometimes when they're in, in, in 
they're watching a band play. They do that thing where they jump up or up and down and they have one hand in the air, like with yeah. one finger showing like that. I think that that's the thing even Megan Thee Stallion would do to fly. So that's my, that's my take on it. Okay. So that's hot girl shit for now and forever. You're welcome, Martin McGrath. You got one. Now, question number four, the most important question, not just of the show, but in all human creation, William Shatner, you know him, you love him, maybe. Sometimes he's a musician, technically. That's technically correct, and that's the best kind of correct. He's going to do a William Shatner version of one and only one of these two songs. Todd, which one of these songs must be shat upon? Oh, man, I think it might be Fly Again for the same lyric. All around Uh, the world. Statues crumble for me. So here's a fun fact that I decided that I would save specifically for this section of the show. Go on. Did you know that William Shatner is the first person that Mark McGrath interviewed when he got his job at Extra? (laughs) Wow. And it it went bad. (laughs) Because he said, uh, 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 because he was nervous. Mm -hmm. And Shatner like read him for filth <laughs> and Mark McGrath said look man this is my first interview could you give me a break I used to be a rock star now I'm trying my hand at this and Shannon was like I never heard of you <laughs> and Mark McGrath was like well I never heard of you either wow and I was like you know what I love that there were no winners there <laughs> no <laughs> not that a so much oh, just never- two assholes being assholes to each other the only winner in that situation is Everybody that got to watch it happen. Oh, never start no static. I just get it off my chest. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's right. All right. So we're kind of even Steven here. Wow. Look at that. Two, two versus two. I think the only way that we can settle this is with some listener comments. Todd. <laughs> All right. Sil W writes, these songs always made me feel like I needed to be on the beach. And I hate the beach. <laughs> yeah, you have you, you have to be in a certain mood, I guess. Let me say this. I've gone Sands Beach for two years. <laughs> if you think that I am not going to the beach, well, you're, you're incorrect. I don't have a good ending for that. This beach is yes. going to the beach. All right. David Mazur writes, Mark McGrath is music's Ryan Reynolds, an insufferable douche nozzle with one hit. And I guess one sequel hit, if you count every morning in Deadpool 2, that many people enjoy on account of how predictably lame mainstream culture can be. Let me I th- really I, have got... I, that's a weird take on, on Ryan Reynolds. Okay, I do not agree that either of these two are one-hit wonders. But it is true that their biggest hit d- certainly seems to outstrip all the others. And I feel like if you don't like Ryan Reynolds, you will not like Mark McGrath. That feels right to me. I mean, that- if if Sugar Ray had had a guest appearance on Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place, I would believe it. <laughs> All right. Rich N writes, when are Frosted Tits making a comeback? I Never. Know, Todd, when? N- Never. Never Todd, like that. Todd, one, one of these days, I'm going to trick you into a bet that I know you're going to lose. <laughs> and when that bet is over... A bitch is going to have some frosted tips. All right. No, I, I'm not a betting man. You'll never, never. I will uh, I will shave my head so I don't have to, to frost my tips. All right. Jeremy Hanna writes, Sublime is Jimmy Buffett for Gen Xers. There's a lot of anti-Sublime comments in here. 
That's I, I'm trying to assess that. I can't tell if that's right. <laughs> I, I'm the only one who technically qualifies. I'm a, I'm what's called a zennial. I, ex, I exist betwixt the generations, <laughs> but I'm I'm in the general Gen X ballpark technically. I don't I know if I don't know if I agree. See, to me, that's fish. I know that fish is usually equated with the Grateful Dead, but like. I don't know. Like to me, that's like Fish or Dave Matthews Band <laughs> or something like that. That's like Dave Matthews Band. Maybe is the Jimmy Buffett. I, I think that's the closest. But I think all of these uh, all of these groups are a little too uh, artsy to be Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett is what you get. <laughs> anyway, Christopher Marsland writes: What's the name for Sophie's choice when you hate both your children? I'll give a grudging vote for Sublime, but neither deserves saving. Like I said. There are a lot of these comments. Yeah. Wow. This is wild. <laughs> I thought that we were really going to dig up after the whole 2006 Scottish indie episode. <laughs> but you also picked some shit that people really hated. They didn't hate your, your uh, indie shit. They didn't know what it was. Oh, no, no, no. There was a lot of hate there. <laughs> I remember it. I take that shit on the chin, Todd. I take it real hard. <laughs> okay. Uh, and it was there. Uh, Jenna H. writes, Every March 11th, my husband hosts the game Sublime or 311. And he plays a song for me, and I have to guess if it was performed by 311 or Sublime. And I am averaging at 500, which is what you would get if you were just guessing, which I am. I would never, ever confuse Sublime with 311. Like, would you? I almost want to test that theory. Hey, do you want to bet? If you lose, you get some frosted tips. <laughs> um, no, they I sound think, very I think, different I think, to me. I think I would be able to tell without a problem. Yeah, because I I remember I know what Three Eleven sounds like. That's a to me that's a very different band. They're much heavier than Sublime. Yeah, that's the main thing for me. All right, James Smith writes, Todd Mark McGrath is going to get up to a day of beer pong and ultimate frisbee. But first, he's going to listen to a playlist to psych himself up, and only one of these two songs can go on it. Todd, which of these songs is 90s frat boy shit? I saw that comment. (laughs) And I want to tell you that that is the best comment we have ever gotten. (laughs) They even included a comma after which of these songs for the dramatic pause. Which of these songs? They really had our (laughs) fucking number. And by that, I mean my fucking number. I'm telling you right here, plant a flag. You have said the best comment so far. Now somebody is going to have to reach a higher peak and it's not going to be easy. Okay, Ryan Anab writes, this comment section is how I learned that not all people love Sublime. Guess it's the California bias. I think it that's was, true. No, I remember when the, the Red Hot Chili Peppers backlash started to set in and I was shocked by that too. Like, but everyone loves the chili peppers. Like, no, several people do not love the chili peppers. I never really there's a couple songs of theirs that I liked. I never loved yeah. them. Hated them, no, but loved them. I never really I never really got the obsession. Anyway. Katie Gunn writes, Today I learned that there are people who apparently hate Sublime. What an exhausting way to live. They don't really seem worth it, do they? <laughs> no. But like no, I said, no if, offense. I mean, live your best life, but I don't get it. Well, like I said, like these were songs I loved that I associated with people that I did not love at all. Like this was like bully music to me. All right. Dax writes, both of these songs sound like they were sung by bums. 
I'm not yeah, sure I agree, yeah, well, but it, you mean like beach bums? I don't know. I just liked the word bums. It could mean many things, but they all seem correct to me. My bum is on the beach. My bum is on the beach. Sorry. All right. One last one. Jeff writes, here's some possible reasons why the money's all gone. Upkeep of a large dog. Drug habit. Mother's drug habit. Frequently giving all one's money to charity. So, yeah, I think we have found the reason why the money's all gone. Listen, all I know (laughs) is even if the money's all gone, I can play the guitar like a motherfucking (laughs) riot. God, what I got puts me in a good mood, even if my money's all gone. And you know what? My dog is much smaller than a Dalmatian, and she eats me out of house and home. So, yeah. (laughs) Fucking Lou Dog. Moocher. Freeloader. Can't believe you said that dog is dead, Todd. (laughs) Okay, RIP to Bradley Knoll and RIP to Lou Dog. The best dog in rock history. You know, the, the, the saddest and most heartwarming part of that story is that when the dog died, they spread that dog's ashes where they spread Brad's ashes so that they would be together forever. Oh, that's a that's a Futurama ending right there. It sure is. <laughs> that is Jurassic Park territory, if ever there was. All right. We have read the comments. Remind me what we do next. The results. The results. Oh, man. Let me go pull those up right now because I forgot to look. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who do you think won? It's I remember be- you thought this was going to be a bloodbath. I was dead sure that Sublime was going to win. Um, I don't know that it would end up being the bloodbath that I thought it was based on those comments, but um, I still think they just, they have the high ground, I believe. <laughs> For a total of 390 to 272, that's a 58-42 split. Lovin' is what we got. It is Sublime. I, I, I remember that. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's not surprising to me. That's that feels correct. It is what I got is exactly that much better than fly. I I applaud you listeners. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to donate us a dollar so we can keep doing this, I encourage you to go to our Patreon. Donate one dollar and you get our bonus episodes where we review a music related movie every month. This month uh, looks like we were. What are we doing? Uh, Prince. Her- Purple, Purple Rain. Rain. Oh, boy. Not a fan of that movie. Oh, boy. Tip your fucking hand, why don't you? Now people have... You gotta spend a dollar. Don't you want to find out why Todd is not a fan of Purple Fucking Rain? I mean, it's a great soundtrack. Wow, man. Here we go. You gotta spend that money. If you give a dollar, you'll save my life. (laughs) If you don't give a dollar, I might die. So, give that dollar. Make it so I get to live. And then also Todd's opinions about Purple Rain. You can't lose. All right. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, We'll catch you later. Wait, what's the next episode, Todd? Oh, do we have to do that? (laughs) Okay. Well, our next episode, as chosen by our guest, we will be doing Tiny Dancer by Elton John versus Piano Man by Billy Joel. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Well, see you next time. See you next time, piano ladies and men and (laughs) non-binaries. Bye. Bye.